0: Canada Hoops is proud to be part of the Basketball Podcast Network. Find Canada Hoops and other great basketball podcasts at the Basketball Podcast Network.com. The Basketball Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere.
1: And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Oh.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of Canada Hoops. It's your boy, Matty. Thank you for your continued support. Keep downloading and sharing us. I'm excited to sit down and talk with an OG for Canada Basketball. He represents Brampton, Ontario. He is a former Notre Dame Knight and Michigan State Spartan where he would become a national champion and he played professionally in Australia. And of course, he has also repped for Canada basketball with the senior men's national team. Make some noise for David Thomas. David, thanks for joining us on Canada.
1: Maddie, thanks for having me, man. Just a, a pleasure to be back uh, back uh, doing some things in Canada. I, I really like it. It's been a long time, and uh appreciate you thinking of me and, and getting this OG, as you call me, on on, the, on this podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean like we uh we mentioned briefly before we recorded i just i love uh taking that opportunity and getting the opportunity to to talk with guys uh, from your era uh your era means a lot to me personally so uh i've tried to follow everyone's career as best i can so i'm excited for this uh this conversation um how are things man let our listeners and uh your friends, your family, your fans, uh, the Canada basketball community. Let everybody know how you're doing, man.
1: Th- things are fantastic. You know, I stopped playing basketball back in 2009, um, but since then have, have settled down here in East Lansing area. Um, married to my beautiful wife Tony, and we have three kids: Kingston, Kennedy, and Kobe, in and, uh, 13, 11, and three and so uh the three-year-old is definitely keeping us on our toes again but um but man life we're we're blessed yeah um fantastic family fantastic support system both here in the united states and back home in canada Uh, a lot of family back there as well so um i don't get back as much as i'd like to but um but they're always there and that's always home i'm always repping brampton that's for sure
0: love it and i think uh the uh, the older kids are, are hoopers too they're playing a lot of basketball right now too correct?
1: absolutely yeah my son kinks and i have the privilege to be able to coach him i think it's a privilege he might not think it is a privilege but uh, i'm having dad coach him. but yeah. i'm coaching him and we we're just in cincinnati last weekend in a huge huge tournament um nationwide tournament and uh lost in the championship game against a very talented uh bates fundamentals team which if anybody knows the name imani bates it's his family's uh program and uh we lost them by four um so uh we held our own and and he's he's doing really well he loves basketball and then my my 11 year old daughter kennedy she plays basketball and volleyball so we're ripping and running every weekend every weeknight with practice or games so uh thank goodness the three-year-old isn't there yet she's not playing anything yet so uh we'll have a little bit of a break until she's up and running
0: what does that mean to you? Like you obviously had a tremendous career, um, you know, and you know the kids are playing basketball as well. When you, you know, it's kind of full circle. Obviously, just just speak on that. I know a lot of past guests. You know, uh, their kids are starting to play basketball as well. You know, is that how special of a feeling is that for you?
1: It's it's super special, especially just um, to, to just to see the the growth in in the in the kids. First is the love. So I I haven't pushed my kids into any sports, you know. Honestly I was a soccer guy, so when my son stopped playing soccer, I was a little crushed. But um but uh mm-hmm. you know, I haven't I haven't pushed them into anything. But I let them know, hey, if this is what you say you wanna do, daddy's all in your corner, right? And I'll be hard on you, I'll push you, I'll push you, you know, to to what you say you wanna accomplish. And um that's kinda where we're at right now and he um my son at least. He he definitely wants to go play high school basketball, obviously, and then and then college basketball. Um, but fortunately for him, I guess I've been there, so I know what it takes. You know, I know the grind and the commitment, and you know, growing up in Brampton, coming out of Brampton, and back then, um, and getting a scholarship to Michigan State and having you know offers all across the country. It, it I wasn't playing video games every day, every night. You know, <laughs> we had to put work in, and so um that's one of the challenges we have right now there's just so much distraction with these kids that fortunately we didn't have you know like we rode our bikes and stayed out until the lights came on and you know played played pickup basketball on concrete and uh, on cement and um that's the og in me coming out i guess but these kids don't do that these days so it's it's a different grind it's a different grind and we can get into au basketball and how much i don't like it but um Um, but it's it's been an awesome privilege for me just to be able to see him out there develop, grow, and then hopefully next year um, I'll start coaching my daughter and and get that same experience.
0: Yeah, that's great insight. I think Uh, that is a struggle for a lot of people now, just having that, there's so many distractions, like you said, and um, going back to our era, that was, unheard of you know we just we were outside and, and playing sports as much as we can um yo, David let's let's run it back man tell us about a a young you what was life like growing up in Brampton and how basketball started to come into your life and really take shape for you man
1: yeah so so for me as I mentioned soccer was my game and uh growing up with, with my dad my dad was we my brother and I lived with my dad and he was our soccer coach from oh man kindergarten to to ninth grade. I really didn't start playing basketball competitively until like the ninth grade um, was shorter wow. All growing up. I was shorter. And then about ninth grade, I think I between ninth grade and my senior year, I think I grew about eight inches or so. So I, I really sprouted up. Um, but once I decided that, you know, soccer and you know, I soccer wasn't going to be my sport, I said, man, the only way I'm going to get to school, uh get to college is to get a scholarship, you know, coming up where I came up. You know, my pops did all he did but could, but you know, we weren't we weren't going to be able to afford tuition to a American school, let alone Canadian school. So, so I just grinded, worked, worked, worked and then and then surrounded myself with some guys. My best friend, um Jordan Campbell, he was a basketball guy. We just, you know, we just had a, a you know, made a pack like we're going to get out of here and, and and go play college basketball. So, you know, fortunately for me, um, because I was smaller until then, I was you know always handling the ball. So it built my my ball handling skills. And then I grew, and now I'm six seven with those some of those abilities. Um, you know, and it, you know a lot of college teams saw that and were like, wow, okay, let's start recruiting this kid. My recruitment started really really late though. I think it was my senior year um, is is when teams really started coming knocking on the door. Just because I started to get some exposure, um, played a little bit of AU. What was AU back there? It wasn't really AU. It was just mainly um, spotlight camps. Um, but that's that's kind of how how it worked. And and for me, my road, you know, my road to to where I got to was like this. Um, First, started out at, at Heart Lake Secondary School in Brampton, and um, graduated there twelfth grade. And then my 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 boy, he he decided to uh, go down to Florida because we wanted to get you know go play college ball. And so, and nothing at that time, we right. weren't getting any looks or anything in, in Brampton. So he goes to Florida. I said, hmm, I have an uncle in Florida too. Maybe I want to go down to Florida. Maybe I can go do the same thing. Unfortunately. He hadn't graduated yet. I graduated up in Canada. So the school I went to were like, well, you can come to school, but you're ineligible to play basketball. <laughs> so that just defeated the purpose. Right. There was no OAC years down there. <laughs> right. So it defeated the purpose. Right. So I I, I I went back to Canada. Um, at that point, my dad was like, look, son, you're either going to school or you're working. So I actually worked in a, um, I can't remember the name of the factory, but it's a factory for about seven months that produced uh, fridge parts, like fridge drawers and fridge doors and all this. Like that was, what, that's what I was doing just after graduating 12th grade. Um, it was wow. too late at that time to enroll and play basketball. So while I was doing that, I, I contacted um, Coach Preto at, at, at Notre Dame, Dario Preto, I said, I said, Coach, you don't know me, but um, I'm enrolling in, in Notre Dame next year. I want to be on the basketball team, and you know, I just introduced myself. Fast forward a year later, we're ripping and running. Um, you know, I'm a year removed from school, and that's when all all this, you know, good stuff started happening. I started getting looks. The national team, you know, started looking at me, inviting me to some some tryouts, um, and that was that was in '96.
0: Wow. Great. Uh, I mean, great start to the, your story in the game and, you know, just kind of speaks to the never give up. You hustled, you know, you had to work for a bit and, and kind of almost sit out a half year and, uh, get that opportunity. Um, I always like to ask people like around that time, you know, you're working on your game, developing your game and obviously the love of the game. Did you have a, a player you looked up to, um, that you look back at and say, man, yeah, like I love their game and Somebody you really admired?
1: Yeah, this guy right here. <laughs> yeah,
0: just just for the record, David. David's got MJ hitting the uh, the shot over Byron Russell behind him there. So yeah, yeah, I think for our era, right, Mike Mike's a man. Yeah,
1: yeah, him him and Isaiah Thomas. I wore number eleven for Isaiah Thomas just because I love this game. I love his scrappiness, his toughness, and you know, talk about never giving up. There was a guy who who never right. gave up, and um, you know, was a phenomenal player. One thing I'll say too, Maddie, at the time that I was going through that transition and trying to figure out what to do, um, and I just worked out, I just actually went through this with, with my son, who's 13. I remember sitting in uh, Notre, Dame's, Notre Dame High School, Catholic School's cafeteria at lunch one day. And, you know, I was sitting there, not much was going. I know what I wanted to do, but, you know, it just wasn't clicking, nothing. I wasn't getting any looks. And, and so I wrote myself a contract on a napkin in that cafeteria basically it said some effect of um you know uh, i david thomas i'm gonna get a scholarship to go to michigan or go to get a scholarship to a school in the united states um um so that my parents wouldn't have to pay for school and i can get your education and then go on to the nba and help my family like something like that signed it dated it kept it in my bible i still have that 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 napkin to this day and so I just went through this process with my son. I told him that story and um, I had him write out the same thing. Sure enough, I put in that same Bible and gave him, gave him my same Bible. Now go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, keep keep so going. I, so I gave him that same Bible. And now if it turns out to be that he can accomplish some, some things on his own and some great things, that's great. But I think it's important to write down those goals and keep them in front of mind. Cause you know, with the distractions we have in this day and age, it's easy to to just go off the path and say, you know, nah, I'm not going to put that, you know, some time work in today. But no, I was just at this tournament in Cincinnati where the elite of the elite of eighth graders are in this gym. And 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 I told my son, that's who you're competing against. <laughs> Those are 2027s. They're going to be the ones going to college when you're going to college, taking scholarships. And you think that they're taking days off or you know, playing video games all day instead of working on your game. So just something that I did back in the day that, you know, as a father, uh, you know, imparted on my son and hopefully at some point, um, things work out in his favor as well. Yeah.
0: Great insight. I think, um, I'm big on like positive affirmation and speaking it into existence, you know what I mean? And whether you write it down or you say it out loud and you're letting people know, I think that, um, that a lot of the good things come to fruition that way. Right. So I just, I can, I can, uh, definitely resonate with that. Um, just talk about that year at Notre Dame David and what that did for you and that opportunity to get uh, exposure and a recruitment at a time where there's no YouTube and there's no ball is life remix. And, um, <laughs> you know, just take me through that year where you're looking, you know, to get that opportunity to play division one basketball. man. Huh?
1: Yeah. So I was, I was lucky. I got, um, um some people that kinda took me under under my wing under their wing at that time. One of them is Huggy, who's was, he was a, a good friend of mine, and he took me under under his wing. Bob Marsh. He coached out at um uh it's been so long ago. I can't remember the name of the school, Durham College, I think. Out out, out um yeah, I think it was Durham. He took me under his wing and, and took me to some exposure camps. Uh, one being in in buffalo uh one in ohio and that's where i started to get some exposure um and and without that uh you know at that time um it was very it was difficult you know it was difficult to 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 get that sort of exposure in canada now our high school team went to the districts and lost in again i can't remember oacc i can't remember what the <laughs> what the name of the the
0: I think it's called Offsa, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Um and we went fairly far there. I believe we lost the Morning Star, which had an unbelievable team, but um, you know, that that's how that exposure happened for me. Um and then uh Bob Marsh definitely helped me um get this exposure from the United States. And then uh summer of ninety six is when I started making my visits. I took a visit to Syracuse, Seton Hall, Villanova, Michigan State, and then it was supposed to be um, Virginia Tech. Michigan State was my fourth visit, visit, and basically I was like, "Yeah, this is the spot for me." I knew. I knew.
0: Was it close with anybody? <laughs> was it close with anybody? Are you like,
1: yeah, Villanova was my third visit, and I was, I was for sure that was that was where I was going to go until I got here and uh, to Michigan State. It's just. The proximity um, to home, four hours, almost door to door from Brampton to East Lansing. Um, At that time, there was a train that my dad could hop on in Brampton at the train station, come right to almost my doorstep at my apartment in East Lansing. But then again, I just knew that who we we had recruited, like who was coming in. I came in with Mateen Cleaves, um, A.J. Granger, Morris Peterson was already here, big time Raptor uh forever a raptor you know yeah. um and we I, I could just sense that something even though maybe i didn't really know what it was but i could sense something at the time like oh man this this is pretty special sure enough you know we went to we won four big 10 championships and went to three final fours and won a national championship during my time here
0: yeah, I mean, when you look at uh, your time at Michigan State, you know, tremendous career personally. You a part of some great teams. Um, you mentioned some of the guys that were there. And, um, you know, 2,000 national champions, four Big Tens, like you said. Uh, you know, when you reflect back at your time at Michigan State, you know, just maybe talk about some of your best memories on and off the floor and those close uh, relationships you have with everyone there,
1: man. I think for for all athletes, um, you know, if you ask any of those guys on a national championship team, their their fondest memory, I'm guessing, is not hoisting up that trophy. Uh, you know, uh, after we beat Florida in the national championship game, it's it's the camaraderie, the brotherhood. We're on the group text to this day. I, we're all on a, a group text, and this is 20 oh geez, 23 years later, and we're still you know we got each other's numbers and it was just a special group and it's special because (laughs) the stuff we went through, uh, with coach Izzo, uh, God love him. You know, he's like a father to me, but some of the stuff we went through was no joke, you know, on and off the court. And, um, you know, there's no other Fox, you know, no other people I'd want by my side in a foxhole than those, than my brothers from that team. So, um, But we had we had great memories, you know, in the locker room. You know, we used to (laughs) we used to wrestle each other in the locker room, you know, play fight. Uh, Even the coaches got involved sometimes and we're we're tussling with the coaches. Um, But it's those moments that build those bonds, you know, and it's deeper than just, oh, yeah, I was a a member of the team. It was no it it was a true brotherhood. So Um, and then great moments off the court, whether we're out having a good time in the city or on the road or going to Final Fours and, you know, having police escorts to the games and, um, you know, hoisting trophies and and lowering banners. Um, So many good memories in my years here at Michigan State.
0: Um, Was much ever talked about? Um, Just a simple fact, you being from Canada at that time, not a lot of guys were playing at a big-time program like that. I mean, there was guys playing D1, obviously, but – I think around that era, like Jamal McGlure comes to mind at, at Kentucky, and he had success. But um, were you were you getting a lot of attention from the media in Canada? Like, hey, there's a there's a guy from uh, Canada playing at Michigan State, national champion. Was there was there much discussion about that?
1: Um, I would say I would say my junior and senior year, um, I redshirted one year. Um, I was supposed to register my freshman year, uh, yeah. but our our point one of our point guards got hurt. He broke his foot. So I stepped up and I, you know, played, played limited minutes. So I was kind of still under the radar, kind of like my whole upbringing, under the radar, under the radar. And then junior and senior year, the national championship year, uh, Mateen Cleese broke his foot. He had a stress fracture, Jones fracture in his, in his foot. I think it was like in October or November. So he was out the whole first half. He didn't come back until I think mid-January. And so myself, so I, I was a starting point guard um, for the beginning of the year. You know, on the road to, at North Carolina, we popped North Carolina. You know what I mean? Um, so that that was a big memory for me. Walking into that arena and seeing you know all the jerseys hanging in the air and Michael Jordan's jersey out there, um, that was one of the memories. Yeah. You mentioned memories. That's that was a big memory for me. But so so I was myself and Charlie Bell were a tandem point guards for the whole beginning of that championship year. And then my team came back in mid January. I ended up getting the same stress fracture in the beginning of January. He had surgery at the time. So he was out. I just decided to play through. We're already halfway through the season. So I, I literally played through the rest of that season with a stress fracture. Um, needless to say, my minutes went down, you know, but I was just, you know, toughing it through and trying to get through. Um, so so again, towards the end of the year, didn't didn't really play much, do much. But then my senior year, you know, I started every game and um, helped us get to an, uh, another Final Four. And it was at that point is <clears throat> at that point when the Canadian media started to pick it up a lot more. You know, coming off the championship the year before, um, you know TSN and and you know CBC, all those 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 networks picked it up a lot more, and um, and also the news media as well, the print media.
0: Yeah, I just, I think back to that time, like me being just kind of a bit of a nerd with it, I guess, but uh, just trying to find guys where they were at. And I always remember looking at, you know, databases to say, okay, uh, well, this guy's you're at Michigan State. Um, I think obviously Jamal and other guys, Colin Charles, St. John's. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just remember just trying to find everybody that was playing down there and and follow them. Uh, You mentioned Coach Izzo. Uh, truly an all time great uh coach for basketball at any level. Just talk about playing for him and, and what he did for you uh and your game and, and and hopefully as a as a person as well.
1: I think what Coach Izzo um yeah you know, I always tell them coach you can run for governor. He's the most you know he he's <laughs> he's the most known individual in this state, in the state of Michigan. And um Right. And it's completely genuine. Like everything about him is completely genuine. You know, not only was did I play for him for five years, I was on staff for six years as director of operations up until last year. And um, so I saw both sides. And um, the one thing I can say about coach is that what I'm experiencing now as I coach my team, my eighth graders is the amount of lessons that and and and. um. Things that come out of my mouth that are directly an influence from coachism during our time. It's like, it's like, right. why didn't I listen to Coach Moore back in the day? He's absolutely right. <laughs> you know, um, and that's what they say. You know, you don't really understand it until, you know, 5, 10, 15 years after you go through it. And he used to tell us that. He said, you know, you, what I'm telling you now, you're probably not comprehending. You're not getting it. But trust me, it's for your better. is the betterment of you as a human being, as a basketball player, and um, that's that's the biggest lesson that I that I, I took from him and and his genuineness and wanting to actually, like I said, I was on staff with him for six years. So if he had a speaking engagement, I was the ops guy. So a lot, it was my responsibility to get him to things and you know making sure he he would spend, he would sign every autograph, he take every picture, he wouldn't turn anybody down. Um, there's times when, when, you know, somebody would shoot him a message and say, hey, hey, coach, I know you're busy. I know you don't really know me well, but I have a friend that's in the hospital. Coach will just call him, call that that individual and just be there for him and try to cheer him, cheer him up. You know, and it's it's those little things, acts of kindness that go, you know, they don't hit the media. They fly under the radar, but he's doing those on a daily basis. Um just last week, we had the tragedy of the, the shooter here on campus and, uh, where three, three individuals lost their lives, and um, sadly to say, but Coach Izza was a spokesperson for the university. He's the one that stepped up and, and, and spoke and um, helped people heal, you know, and that, that just speaks to you know, the type of human being and man that he is and what he means to this community.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, uh, I mean, I think watching him, he just looks like the man that you'd want a run through a wall for, you know, I think uh, he just stands out as one of the all-time greats. Hey, David, you mentioned uh, your position as a director of basketball ops for six years. Um, I just wanted to ask you about that because I just thought you've settled in, in East Lansing, you're, you're raising your family there. Clearly, it's a special place. Um, you know, how great was it to have that role uh, and just, you know, still be part of the program in that way, man.
1: It, it was really special, man, because um, the biggest thing, I, I took the role because I wanted to help the kids, the guys, you know, our squad and and be there as a mentor, um, talk to them, be there some, somebody that I'm not a coach, so I'm not going to talk to them as a coach. I'm going to talk to them as, look, kind of like a guidance counselor. <laughs> um, you know, whether right. it be – You know, and I started programs where we talked about finance. We talked about mental well-being. We talked about um, how to treat women, you know. Um, We talked about even social media etiquette, like all these things, how to um, dining etiquette, like a lot of these things that um, are kind of like classes or courses I I put together for the guys. Um, And that's why I wanted it because I knew that, when we came up, we had to do a lot of different things outside of basketball. And this kind of getting back to AU. Now these kids, as they come up, as soon as they're projected to be, you know, somewhat of a star, they get to an AAU team and everything is done for them. You know, and so by the time they get to college, they don't have very many like life skills. Now, some of the parents do a great right. job and they do provide that growing up, but you know i've seen a lot of kids that you know don't know how to pay a bill or, or don't know how to do laundry or don't know how to clean their apartment you know <laughs> like just life skills or or, or banking or, or all these things so so my goal was to try to teach them some of those life skills and and, and that's kind of what the course that i that i brought to the program on top of you know schedule it's not scheduling you know um I did a lot of, uh, all the, the travel meals, um, you know, and then obviously sitting on the bench and taking stats and, and, and those kind of things. Couldn't work at the guys out at the time because at that time you're only allowed to have four coaches on the court. Now that's since changed. So kind of bummed I didn't have that opportunity to be on the court with the guys. Right. But, um, but no, it was, it was a great experience. Um, I learned a lot from it, um, and being an entrepreneur and a businessman business is kind of, it was kind of like running, I was the coach was a CEO and I was the COO of, of, of the organization. And so I learned a lot from him and how he operates and how he manages his staff um, and his players. So again, he, he's still giving me lessons, you know, now that I'm 45 or 46 years old, he's still giving me lessons um, that I take with me into the business world
0: yeah great stuff man i just thought that was that was cool that uh you had that opportunity i wanted to ask uh you know you leave michigan state start your pro career uh just talk about that transition and and what leagues you were looking at and uh, now you're making that jump to uh to try to play the game for a living just talk about that that process there sure
1: yeah yeah so so you know my senior my junior senior year is like oh okay i might i might have a shot at this right um and so, uh, my, my, yeah, once I graduated in 01, had an opportunity to go to a couple of NBA tryouts. Um, one with the Raptors, the other one was with the Miami Heat. And, um, you know, my college career averaged, I think like maybe four points a game. I don't, by no means a superstar, but I had some intangibles. I was long I could defend, I could shoot the ball decently. Um, You know, so at that time, you know, I I, I like to think maybe I was ahead of my time. Nowadays, we're a dime a dozen. Yeah. Um, But for sure. But um, was with Miami. uh, Went out there for a free agent camp. You know, usually you're there for two, three days. I was there for almost a month and a half, um, and they really liked me a lot. And um, from what my agent told me, um, I was close to being picked by them, the last pick in the in the in the draft in '01, but. Um, they went with this big fella at, a, at, a, at a Ohio state instead. So spent some time with there. um, didn't pan out, went overseas. My agent got me a job over in Australia and, uh, in Canberra, Australia, and was over there with, with my teammate, Mike Chappelle at Michigan state. He was my teammate and my roommate. And, uh, so it was pretty cool being over there with him. Um, we had an opportunity to come back in 2002 to michigan state my australian team did magic johnson played with our team um he's linked obviously the ties to michigan state but some somehow he right i don't know how he got affiliated with our team in australia but it worked out we came back here and popped michigan state but <laughs> well, i think 25 nice. coaches was so mad man <laughs> came back here and, and we you know I think I had like twenty. Mike Chappelle had twenty five, and coaches like, "Where was this when you guys played for me?"
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no so, kidding.
1: But I had great experience. Came back here, um, played in that game, and, and played with that team for for that year. Although that team that that trip cost us, and the team went bankrupt, and so come December, uh, come Christmas time, we're we're looking for new jobs. And my agent was able to get me a job in Germany. So I went to Germany, to Frankfurt for six months, uh, played out that season there, but knew I wanted to get back to Australia. I love the country, the people, the league. Um, it's very professional. Right. Uh, you got paid on time. You know, a lot of things that um, some European countries you have to deal with. So went back there and then spent, um, I think, the next five years with Melbourne. And we went to four um, championships, one, two. And then finished out two more years there. Um, in 2008, no, 2009, I was I had to sign a deal to go back over there to play with New Zealand, who was in our league. Um, that summer, played with the national team. We played in Vegas. Uh, and then I believe we went over to, I think it was Italy, for um, some qualifiers over there. And uh, my body was so beat up, you know. And so I called my agent. I knew, I knew at that time you know, a year into, uh, a year up, a year before that, that, you know, my time was coming to an end. Like I got to prepare for what I'm going to do after basketball. And so I was here in the States, um, body was beat up, got beat. We got beat by USA by I think 45 or 50 points. (laughs) That's so.
0: I know, I know the game. You you know it, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: Unbelievable experience. Well that's one of my fondest memories. Even though we got pop, we were I was on the court with greatness and uh that was pretty cool. So then um so I didn't go back over overseas for my final two years and just started, you know, civilian life here in uh in in East Lansing.
0: Yeah, I know uh the NBL there in Australia is a is a really good league. Lots of people uh have great things to say about it, both on the men's and women's mm-hmm. side. It's it's well run. So I thought that it was great that you spent, you know, majority of your pro career there. Um, clearly it's a, a place that people enjoy being, um, do, was there, um, any regrets about maybe not trying to come back or, or was there other opportunities like that or other leagues in Europe, or were you just focused on having that consistency down in Australia?
1: Yeah, I think it was consistency, uh, played a big part in it. Um, you know, and there's no, there, was, there wasn't there was a language barrier, there wasn't um, a cultural barrier. It, it, I mean, a lot of those things are things that kind of inhibit guys from success in European countries because it's tough, you know, it's tough. As great as, mm-hmm. as, as there was experience in the world, which I took full advantage of, no matter if I was with the national team, you know, in Australia, we traveled to China, we traveled to Singapore. So, you know, experience in those cultures were great. But, you know, if you're there for... Eight to ten months by yourself—it's a grind, right? So Australia, you know, there was beaches. It was sunny the whole time we were there. I was there. It's, it was always summertime because Southern Hemisphere. So, you know, I didn't see I didn't see snow for right. about seven years, which was fantastic. Um, but no, I had I had right. an unbelievable experience over there. Some of my good friends, um, you know, I, I had great relationships, and some of them are still. Very close to me today from, from over there. Um, I always tell people, if you have an opportunity to go, it's a heck of a plane ride. It's, it's a long ride, but it's definitely worth it.
0: NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets Instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any action in the NBA. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Uh David here on Canada Hoops, you know, we always love to chat about Canada basketball, especially with guests who have played for the program, which you have obviously done. Uh, you know, for you personally, when you look back at your, you know, tremendous playing career, what did playing for Canada mean to you, man?
1: I think it's up there is as- One of my biggest accomplishments, Um, you know, didn't see quite the success that I would like. But just the fact that you wore that Canada flag on your chest, you know, and you got to hear that anthem. You know, you play over here in the States in college. All you hear is the American anthem every game, (laughs) you know, and uh, it was so cool. Cool to hear that anthem being played and uh, just really proud of the fact, proud of our country um, and being able to represent it. Um, was, was, was big. I think that's probably the, the fondest memory I have of playing for, for, for Team Canada.
0: Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit, I think, before we recorded, you know, but I look at the rosters uh, for the program that you were a part of. Um, you played with some of the all-time greats for the program, some of my personal favorites, um, past guests of ours on Canada Hoops, uh, very grateful for them. Um, you know, that era I felt was always underappreciated in terms of, you know, who was committing their summers every year, what they did for the program to help grow it. Um, you know, when you look at guys that you played with, uh, Elno's rosters, did you develop a close friendship with any of them that you didn't know until you got together with the the program? Anybody stand out for you?
1: Yeah, I think so that. I think I believe it was 96. Jamal and I, Jamal McGlure and I were 18, 19 years old right. and we 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 made that that national team and during that time um a guy again who just kind of took me under his wing was Rowan Barrett Sr. and you know to this day we yeah, still right. we still communicate, you know, here's almost 30 years later. Um and obviously he's seen his son, which is crazy cuz RJ was our our I still remember him in between games or at halftime or, or during warmups out there on the court, right? Just just barely being able to dribble right. the ball. And now he's, you know, big time New York Knicks. So um, Rowan was definitely somebody who, not just for me, he did a lot for, for all, the, all the guys. You know, he was the leader. He was a uh, captain. He was somebody you can go talk to. Um, and for me, is such a, a new experience being the youngest guy on the team. Um, at that time that, you know, is, it was very helpful because it was just like, you know, kind of drinking out of fire hydrant, like what the heck is going on? And then you have Steve Nash in the gym working out and he's doing dribbling, dribbling for 45 minutes straight before practice. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's one of his workouts. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, what, what is, what is going on here? This is, this is the level we're at right now. Um, but no, I definitely say row was, was big time. Um, big time for me. Um, I got close to to like Levi. Um, who else was 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 big for me? Uh, Carl, you know Carl English, Captain yeah. Canada. He, um, you know, we spent a lot of time with him. Sam Dallenbear you know, on, right. on a couple of our, our trips, uh, we got fairly tight. So, no, it was a great a great experience. A lot of good guys, and I think to your point, you know, that's kind of. That 2000 Olympics, you know, I wasn't a member of that team, but leading up to that, that's when I think Canada basketball kind of took a turn. You know, we had, as you mentioned, more guys playing top tier D1 at D1 programs, spending their summers with Team Canada. Um, And then and then all of a sudden the grassroots effort, you know, a lot largely in part to the Raptors and, and the NBA now all these kids are growing up with just basketball, be hockey, right? Now they're growing up with basketball as well. And, you know, some of the most athletic people in this world come out of Canada, you know? And, um, so, right. so it's really cool to see over the years, just the, you know, back then, like you said, it was a handful of us played at top teams. Now we're, we're everywhere, you know, we're, we're everywhere. And, and, you know, I, Whenever I, I'm watching a game, whether it be college or, or NBA, my kids get sick of me because I'm always like, you know he's from Canada, right? You know she's from Canada, right?
0: Nice.
1: <laughs> nice. They yeah. get mad at me, but hey, yeah. I represent the best I can.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it on the head. I mean, uh, that's kind of lead into my next question. Just, you uh, know, I don't know if you've been able to follow the, the growth level and the amount of players and uh like the senior men's team this week they're playing two more games for the FIBA World Cup uh, qualifiers down in Argentina and Venezuela but they've already qualified they've gotten 10 and 0 in the qualifiers because we've had this incredible depth of players commit to the program to get the qualification done uh I mean shoot Shea Gilles' Alexander was just in the Mm all-star game fourth Canadian ever I mean the the talent has been incredible, and um, that's why I was excited to have you on because you're part of that era that just started pushing this thing up and up and up, right? So it's, uh, it's exciting to see. Uh, David, do you have a top five or favorite five of all time for Canada basketball?
1: Yeah, you know, I do. I think um, if I go through my lineup, I definitely go Steve. You know, Steve Nash is, yeah. you know – yeah. He really changed the game. I think, you know, he really propelled the game, got, got Canada on the national spotlight or international spotlight just for his talents, you know, <clears throat> coming out of Santa Clara and you know, this little white dude, but he was phenomenal, <laughs> NBA MVP, you know, so many great things and he's done so much for um Canada basketball that uh, you know, just both on and off the course. I, I go with Steve at, at my point guard. Um Shoe and Garm going with Shea. You know, you just mentioned him, you know, being an all-star to watch his career. I don't know him, but to watch his career from afar, um, you know, he's done some amazing things. And he's up there with some of the best in the NBA right now. Um, So I would go with Shea and my my two guard. For three, I'm going Jamal Murray. Um, You know, before he got hurt, I think it was last year, uh, he was just killing it, you know. And again, kind of like Shea, just killing it um, his athleticism, his abilities. I mean, just, you know, phenomenal talent. And then Andrew Wiggins, you know, he's, he's a, he's, he's a specimen, right? Some things that he can do on the basketball court, um, are phenomenal. And, um, you know, was able to get that, that, that ring last year and hopefully, hopefully getting a couple more in, in his, in his career. And then uh, I'm going back old school right. for my big man, traditional big, and Jamal McGlore. He is. Uh, I had many battles against him back in high school, and then also you know playing against him at practice in the national team. And uh, you know he's he's a big dude. I still remember he could just dunk without even like jumping on jumping. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, he's um you know, we go, we go way back and, uh, got to put him in there as, as the OG starting center.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, great five. I love the mix of the, the old school and the new school. And I mean, Jamal, uh, sometimes gets a little lost in the, uh, you know, the mentions for Canada basketball. He was an NBA all-star and he's still doing so much for the game back in Toronto coaching with the Raptors too. And, uh, you know, major shout out to him and, uh, Steve, uh, Steve doesn't not get in a lot of top. I think he's probably in everybody's top five, I think, uh, that I've had on the, on the podcast. So, uh, great mix. Hey, David, uh, anybody you would like to see on Canada hoops sometime, uh, someone maybe with a, a good Canada basketball connection and has a good story to share with everyone
1: to be on this program.
0: Yeah, to, to join us on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Anybody that uh, you would want to see?
1: Uh, let me think. I, I'm not sure what your guest list is thus far, but um, you know, obviously Carl, he's 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 entertaining.
0: Well, here's a kicker. Yeah, I've had Carl. Here's a kicker. You gotta you gotta help them uh, help me get them on a little bit. Uh, Maybe. Uh, all right, all
1: right.
0: Connect connect with them. So that's that's the kicker.
1: Well, I would say. Um, let me think. You know, you know it would be pretty good. I haven't had rope. Have, have you had Prosper Coin on there yet?
0: No, I haven't. You know,
1: he's the no. <clears throat> GM of the Philadelphia G League team. I do. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a good I one. Do. I can get, I yeah. get him on you right on there right now. I'll give him a call right now.
0: Okay, cool. we'll do that. That'll be a good story. Yeah, appreciate that. Absolutely. Hey, uh, uh David, any, any, shout outs or thank yous before I get you out of here, man? And, uh, again, we truly appreciate you joining us on, on Canada Hoops.
1: I would say, I would say just shout out to, you know, the support and love that, you know, Canadian fans have shown to, to the game of basketball. Like I said, it's going back to the Raptors and when the Grizzlies came into Canada, it really changed the landscape of, of basketball in, in that country, you know, was invented there it was dormant for a long time and, um, the fact that, right. you know, all my friends, everybody I talked to back there, seen the Raptors win a championship. I mean, come on, man. That was, like, that was the greatest thing ever, right? So um, just a just shout-out for the passion and the support, um, you know, definitely on the NBA level, but for Canada basketball. And just to, to please continue to support um, these young men as they play for the country and, and try to, do, you know, do right by our country – all across the world so um but shout out to to the canadian people in general and the fans and the the fan base um for so many years of of support
0: yeah well said well we wish you and your family all the best david you know you'll always be a friend of canada hoops and uh you know hopefully uh the game keeps going for you and your family man i'm excited to see what uh, happens for your kids there man
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a wrap on another episode of Canada hoops. I want to thank David Thomas for pulling up. Thank you for listening. Thank you to the basketball podcast network. Remember to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast, keep supporting Canada basketball and our Canadian hoopers. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoops.